Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just two bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. What happens after you've completed all that anger management crap? You've read all the books, listened to all the podcasts, seen all the videos. You're cured, right? Not yet. Now you have to stand face-to-face with your past, look it in the eyes, and own it, all while learning to use your emotions. Join Matthew on his journey to find out what the emotional help. All right, guys. So welcome to what is what I'm calling, anyway, the official first episode, even though eh, technically we're on episode number two, but, you know, who's counting? So I'm joined with, or by, I should say, Chrissy, who everybody loves and has sent me many, many messages on wanting to hear from again. So today I thought it would be awesome to talk about the last 18 months. I will call it the pandemic years. I like that. The (laughs) The pandemic years. The plague years. (laughs) Right? So... I think it was instrumental. I think we had to have the plague and I had to lose my job and I had to be home for the last year to get to what I'm now calling the final step of the journey. The breakthrough step, if you will. The breakthrough step. I like the breakthrough step. Right. Right. So it's not just about, and what I taught for years, and which is why I had to change the podcast is because I taught for years about doing these steps it's just all it is is this once you've learned how to master your anger you're cured you're fine because you're now the owner of your anger and that i have found to be bullshit yeah not bullshit no, well let's say bullshit I, I but there's there there's is, more to it than that there's right. a final step that has to be accomplished for you to actually gain what is necessary which is the empathy that i speak so much about that i'll be honest i didn't have not truly have until I spent a year at home with you. I agree. And seeing I, everything. I, I, I agree. I think it, I think it's more than I think it's value. I think that before you spent that level of time with me, and I guess we're one of the lucky ones, right? That when we went into the plague, we were frictioned with each other, you know what I mean? As opposed to against each other. Yeah. And well, I think that was something that you used to point out all the time to me that I would listen to and I would hear you say, but I didn't I didn't process it. You would always say, well, we need to tackle the problem together. It's not you against me. It's you and I against the problem. And I was always like, okay, sure. And I would pretend, but it it never really registered till it was, till it had to. I don't know any other way to put it. It, it, I had to depend on you. I had no choice. Right. Well, and that was, you know, one of the things that happened was, you know, first it was you were home. Mm -hmm. And I think you being home and like all of us being home with the, you know, the kids. And then I was, of course, I had to keep working. You had to keep working. But there was no drop in my production. My production had to stay the same, if not increased. Yeah. And I think because I work from home, you had that opinion that most people do which is like we don't work all day yeah and i think you seeing me like all day call from call to 
message from message to email to email. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. nonstop. It is oh, yeah. nonstop. That being said, you know, I love my job. But um, it is. It's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility. And you try to – I think you seeing me juggle that with being a wife, I don't know, humanized me to you? I don't, I don't know. I think that helped. I think it did. I think – I think it gave me a look at you, I, but I think it also had to do with the fact that I had, I had slowly but surely slipped into a very fun depression, and I needed right. you to help with that. Well, I, I think it's, I think it's because I had realized that I had also had a form of a depression. I wouldn't have called it that though. You I know wouldn't I mean? have either. No, no, no. Agreed. You know, if, if you would have asked me, I'm an extremely happy person. You know what I mean? I'm pretty positive. And I wouldn't have said that I was depressed. I would have told you that I had a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And you know, of course, anxiety is normal when we are living in unprecedented plague time. I think what I found was that my anxiety was depression. You know what I mean? Like it, it was like I was constantly dreading I was waiting for the shoe to fall. I was I felt like an oppressive force in my life. And I think you felt the same way. I did. Well, and what I've discovered through continual reading, because I'm a psychopath and I read oh, everything. Uh-huh. One of the things that I, I read, and I read it recently, and it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's it if we don't look at it this way, we'll never get through our anger. Anger is not an emotion. Anger is the body's response to stress. And that stress can be anything, and we will turn that stress into anger, especially if you're used to using anger to your benefit, right? So depression had been, I think, in my life for so long, and stress had been there for so long, and, and childhood trauma had been there for so long that I had I had learned how to function in such a high level of stress that it was just, it was angry all the time. Yeah, like it was very like Hulk. Yeah, you know, mad all the time. I think that you also like had operated that way, which is easier when you have a wall. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. No, you yeah. have to have the wall. You cannot, and that's one thing that I've, I've that I, I will say is is crazy. You can't be angry at and control and manipulate and violate and be violent against somebody when you see their humanity. When you see them as a person and not just this thing that stands in the way of me getting what I want, which is intimacy and love and respect and concern and care. And you're not the source of those things. Nope. You're the object standing in the way to getting you to give me those things. Right. Which is the fucking weirdest thing ever in my mind. Well, and I'm going to take it a step further is that I was a person here to give you those things. I wasn't a person. Yes. There has to be that level of seeing somebody outside of your own but, use for them, benefit that they serve for you. But how do you get there? Oh, it's right? easy. It's 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 easy. No, it's not easy. It's it's easy once you do it. Right? It's, once you figure out how to let the veil. It's but, like seeing the magic eye pictures, right? Yeah. You can't see them until you see them. So how do you, as a person, allow yourself to... I don't know, to take down that wall of protection to allow someone else's humanity to slip through. There's there's only one way that I know of. And it, it's I've found it in all of my research that I've been doing for the last year. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to bear your belly 
and hope beyond all hope that the person you do that to is worthy of it. Because if they're not worthy of it, instead of it being a moment of connection and intimacy and closeness and getting into somebody else's mind frame and understanding them in a way that wasn't done before, they'll use that as fuel to continue to hurt you. Can I throw something out there? Absolutely. Is that your trauma talking? Do you think that every person... So that's... that's no, that's, no, no. That's, that's what I'm saying. No, and That's where I'm trying to get like... Uh, that's where you were in the beginning. Yes. You were like, if I tell you, if I share with you, exactly. if I give anyone this underbelly, they're going to hurt me with it. But you have to, that's the thing though. You as, as anybody out there listening who is that angry, control freak, violent person, that's going to be the mind frame they have. Whether it's true or not is irrelevant. We make our own truth. Our truth is what we, what we decide it is. Whether it's real or not is irrelevant. I have decided I am safer, I am protected so long as I keep everything that you can use to hurt me in this big, giant, concrete box that I keep in the very back of my mental self somewhere far away from you and your judgment and your ability to shame me. And because right, every possible thing that – every possible interaction you could have with someone when you show them something that isn't – the expected or whatever mm -hmm. is that and i i think that's how do we get people past that point though you have to get to a point where you're you have lost everything you can lose from your anger your anger has literally taken everything from you and you have to get to that point where you know what there's nothing else this can take from me i've got to change i've got to to make this different and that's the only way to do it you've got to get to i don't have a choice i've done everything i've everything is gone now well i might as well well and i mean and, and that's the thing like I, I think for me personally like the way that you know me and you were talking about it and the thing that really clicked with me was you didn't want to let your anger win anymore you know what I mean? You didn't yes. want it to let it keep taking from you. Yes. Because it had already taken so many years of real relationships. It, it took 16 years of, of our relationship that I'll, I'll never, I'll never get back. And you have no idea. I don't think anybody can understand what kind of hurt that is. Not for me. I don't give a shit about my losing it. I did it to myself. I'm, I'm, I've accepted what I did to me. What hurts the most is what I did to you. The 16 years of your happiness and joy and contentment in a relationship is gone, not by your own hand, right? It's different when it's it's by your own hand. Uh, well, and, and just to throw this out there, okay. I okay. I won't say that I've been unhappy. I've been, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think you've been unhappy. But I will say, like, it's kind of when you've been sick for so long and you finally feel better and you're like, oh, crap. Is this is what it was like? I think that we've always had moments in our marriage of us being healthy or, you know what I mean? Like we've had, we've had good times. Oh yeah, no, totally. But I, I think the difference is seeing what a relationship with you is like whenever there isn't, whenever the mindset changes, it's, it, you really did go from me to us mm -hmm. and it was a 
it was there. You know what I mean? Like, and there is, there's a, there's a difference like in it because I know that you're no longer weaponizing your intimacy against me. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. well, it, it was, it was, see, that's where the fucked up part comes for all of this shit. Because when you're talking about weaponizing intimacy, I agree. It's, but it's, it wasn't done out of the desire to weaponize, right? It's, I don't think it was, but the truth of the matter is that intimacy is a tool. Agreed. Right. And it's, but in what I, I think, we need to clarify it's it's a tool designed to increase intimacy in a relationship and g- increase connection and increase connection yes right intimacy right? is so, a connection tool yeah and but the problem is intimacy when it whether it be holding you know what i mean like cuddles snuggles whatever words of affirmation any of these things that like bring forth more connection when you use those things and I used it against you as well. I used physical touch against you. Well, um, yeah, you, but, but, but that's the thing is when we weaponize these things, we don't use them for their intended purpose. We don't connect with someone the way that we're supposed to. I always saw it not as a weapon though. For me, it was, it was a tool to get, if, if I could get the intimacy from you, then I felt like I had won. I don't know any other way to put it than that. It's cause that's, that was always. That was always the end game because men are taught to conquest, right? It's, right? If you're not, Tracy, don't lick the mic. If you're not, if you're not getting some, you're not a real man. I think we need to rewind there. I don't like, I, I think we're going too far into intimacy and not talking about connection enough. Okay. Because like. That's, that's the way men perceive it though. If I'm not getting. That's e- that equates to intimacy in in the vast majority of men's minds. But but that's not what really. I agree. Is. No, like, I agree. It's not. It's not. It's not. And it's. But and that's the thing. Intimacy like, is is being able to see the other person's humanity, being able to see the other person's pain, and sit there with them, and not try to fix their pain. Just connect. Yeah, just be there with them. That's that's intimacy. Intimacy tells me I see your pain, I feel your pain for you. But it's not just pain. It's intimacy is connection. Yeah. And it could be whatever it is. For us, it was pain because there we do have that longer history. But it also can be we've been connecting over happiness. We've been connecting over humor. We you know what I mean? I know. Like no, no, once no. you allow yourself to tear down the veil and see part of it, you can see all of it. It's like this reading magic eye puzzles. Once you see that man in a tuxedo, you never stop seeing them. I think that's the thing is that you just see more and more details. Oh, now I can see the crowd. Those are supposed to be the lights on the stage. Oh, it's a show. It's a fashion show. You know what I mean? Like yeah. So I think that's kind of what happened is that you, when initially you saw pain, right? Because I th- I think that we also, when we first work on empathy, we work on, we see the ourselves, right? Yeah. And I think when we're in a lot of pain, right? Which is what happens when we're disconnected. Yeah. Right. And you no longer had that distraction, if you will, you know? Um, of your typical nine to five, 
Yeah. You know, and I think that time away and you know what I mean? Like, I think that that caused you not to feel disconnected. It caused you not to feel the loneliness, but when you've built yourself with walls all around people that you're surrounded with, it's really shitty to be lonely in a house full of people Mm -hmm. that are there willing and happy to connect. I don't know. I just feel like you got to a point where you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. Eventually the walls get lonely. We, we build ourselves up to, to protect the vulnerability and shame. I don't, I don't know. We are so, we are so shame aversion in, in our culture, especially men. But women, too. Women! Dude, you have no idea. Girls, oh my gosh. I cannot tell you, like, women growing up, uh, there's this scene in Mean Girls, you know, where they're like, I thought there was just skinny and fat. And then the girl's like, my shoulders are weird. My pores are big. Women actually do that. We categorically rip ourselves apart and try to compare ourselves to a magazine or something. And, you know, these are unrealistic things that we'll never aspire to. And the people that do aspire to them... Um, and make it awesome, great for them. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, you know, but people who do, you know, meet those standards, they're not they're not everyday people. It's not easy to meet those, you know, physical standards while trying to juggle life and all of these different things. Typically, people who have those standards are employed by those standards, right? Yeah. So it it's just it, it is kind of toxic, but. I think that men do things very similarly. It's just we do not talk about it. Like, we talk about the big bodybuilder. Oh, those guys. But there's versions of that throughout all men. It's not as on your face as it is with women, with makeup, with peacocking, if you will. But men peacock in different ways. Well, yeah. Well, and and we are denied an ability to grow our emotional intelligence, unlike women. I think women are much more able and allowed to, that was my tummy. Yeah. (laughs) I think women are much more allowed to be emotionally vulnerable. Men are not. Men have to, we have to, whether women do it on purpose or not. And I'm not saying all women, so don't send me letters. I'm not saying all of you do this, but I think the vast majority of society sees a man being vulnerable and is immediately turned off and immediately goes, oh, oh, you're, you're too weak. Because we don't see the strength that it takes to look at somebody and go, that, that really hurt me. Here's why that hurt me. It hurt me because I need to, I need to feel close to you. And it, it separated me from you. We can't do that. Instead, we go, you're just a bitch and I can't stand you. Cause that's easier. It is much easier. It's it's so much easier. Right. We can't we can't build relationships on that. Not strong relationships. We have to be able to look at that person and go, I am I am hurt and cry. Right? Like, like you- you've seen me actually legit tear up for probably Finally. the first time Finally. ever. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. That that has to happen. You have to be willing, and I think that's that's the problem we've got is we're not we're not willing to take that mask off of the stoic, brave man, hunter, gatherer, 
who has no emotions except for anger and and if if I'm angry, you better watch out because I'm a man. We can be angry as men and not be scary. We can be correct. We can be shamed as men and not destroy our life. We can be embarrassed right. as men and and not have to shoot up our workplace. Right. You can be rejected as a man and move on. Right. Well, and I think, I think that I don't know. It's just a lot. It is a lot. But so that's that's why I wanted to do this new podcast. I want to start diving into a more male-centric version of emotional intimacy. I think we're not looking at it from from that perspective, from a masculine perspective, because you always hear emotional intimacy talked about but in very flowery language, at least I have. I agree, and I I think that it I think that it's going to be nice for you do the same stuff. I do. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the big thing is that, like, there's this societal thought that men are not as crazy as women. You guys are just as crazy as we are. Oh, God, yes. Right? It's just you guys are crazy in different ways. Right. I remember I used to get so pissed off at you when we'd have to watch the same movie a million times or listen to the same song a million times. Or we'd have to have the same meal because you would get fixated on something and we'd have to do that. And it used to drive me fucking crazy. Because I don't get fixated on those things. Those aren't those are weird things that you fixate. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, in fact, I don't do that at all. Is what I used to think for for years mm-hmm. and years and years, and it used to piss me off. Till I step back and go, oh, you know what? We are the same. I do do the same shit. <laughs> yeah, read the same book four times in a row when I got it because I'm crazy. We all have different ways of calming. Coping mechanisms or whatever you want to call them. I don't, I think we, I I think that's the key. I think we have to start recognizing coping mechanisms for what they are and stop denying them as being coping mechanisms and be okay with being not okay. Right. We're all a little jacked up. It's fine. We're all jacked up and it's okay. Like I, you're not broken. I think that's the problem that we have as men. We think that we're broken. We're we're all broken. That's, that's the trick. But if we're all broken, then none of us are broken. You can't be broken if everything is broken. Right. So therefore- You you guys keep, you guys as men are, so women look at magazines and makeup and hairstyle, correction, when I say women, I am using that term to describe societal expectations of women and what we're supposed to do. I I think it's safe to say at this point, anytime we use the word male or female or men or women, we're referring to a societal norm, not a- Our visual expectation. Your and I's vision of what society- Yeah, yeah. so I don't, we're not using it to exclude anybody. And if, if people do get offended, please let me know and we'll change verbiage or something. I don't care. My tummy is going. I'll say, if anything, I'm offended at your (laughs) stomach noises. Sorry, Uh, y'all. I should have ate breakfast first. But no, I think that uh, I think that there's an expectation for us to look or do things a certain way, and when we don't, like we hate on ourselves all the time. We just hate, hate, hate. Well, it's because women women are trained from almost birth. You have to be beautiful. You have to be quiet. Mm -hmm. You have to be subservient, and you Mm -hmm. have to put your family. Above everything else. Above yeah. everything else. You have to be a nice girl. Yes. Everybody likes nice girls. And and men, we're, we're taught. You guys are taught to be a-holes. We're taught to dominate. That's the thing. Like, we wonder, why are guys jerks? We literally are training in 
you know, the things that we say we want from men are these jerk behaviors. Oh, I want the bad boy. I can change. You can't change them. (laughs) I want, you know, and then, you know, we want our boys to be tough. And and it's like, why? Why would we want them to be tough? Why would the expectation for someone to make life harder? You do not get an award for life being more difficult. Agreed. But I think... I want to stop for a minute because I think that we have to raise, or we have to raise our men to be strong. If we want society to continue to move forward and for there to be more acceptance of, of different things, you have to teach men to be strong. It's, it's only through, and I, it, I have to stop you real quick. Okay. For society to move forward, we have to train men and women. I agree. No, no, no. Agreed. I, I, but I, you are just basically saying you want to raise a strong generation that doesn't have the shame that our generation. That's does. that's it exactly. And I think we should do that. But part of raising a strong generation that doesn't have the problems that our generation does is really preaching empathy, love, compassion, all of those things from a very early age. We have to, you know, that whole we need to teach our boys. Boys will be boys. No, we need to t- teach our boys and girls to be humans. We need to teach them to see humanity. We and need to, to love. And to, well. Err on the side of kindness. Yeah. But how? That's, I think that's where this whole Air thing. Err on the side of kindness. But how do you be kind to somebody who you perceive as just. I'm trying to think of the right word for it. All of, at least my anger, I don't know about everybody else's, but all of my anger, as I've examined it, stems from my perception that somebody did something, whether intentional or unintentional, to harm me, impede me, or forcefully change the course of what I want to do. Whether they meant to or not is irrelevant. They did. Like the guy cutting you off in traffic, or a long line at the grocery store, or all of these things are seen as slights against me. Not that these are normal everyday things that everybody has to do. Everybody has to wait in line at the grocery store. Everybody has to drive to work and, and ultimately there's going to be the guy who misses his exit and goes, oh shit, and it's going to get over. Right. Everybody deals with that. Everybody. And when we do it, when I do it, I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry. I was distracted and this and when that. I really like somebody, to wave to the car behind you. Sorry. Right. But when somebody else does it to me, my immediate thought is, well, they're just a fucking asshole and they'll always do asshole things. And so being aggressive and mean they're and a piece and fun, of shit for the rest of their life. Right. So, so <laughs> you, you then, you, you then justify your screaming and yelling and flipping them off or following him for four hours because God damn it, they have to be taught a lesson. So they don't do this to somebody else. And we hold up this, I'm a social warrior, a social justice is on my <laughs> right with crazy as it sounds, right? That's oh, how we that's, look at it. People think that they're the savior and not everyone needs you to jump in and save them. Well, and not everybody is doing shit like that because they're assholes. Some people really No, are, it's not like, even a reflection to- of you. Like I can tell you that whenever I am going through more difficult, more challenging things, I do. I take it so like everything's personal. You know what I mean? Like even if it's not personal, you know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. woman at Starbucks could say my name wrong on my card. Chris, you know, Christy, you know, <laughs> she hates me. <laughs> yeah. That would be my thought. I think the ultimate goal, and I'm hoping to get you on here more than we did the last show, because I think that your insight is very valuable for everybody. 
But I don't know about all that. I think so. Guys, let her know. Tell her. I've seen comments, which is why I'm willing to get on from time to time. Because it really, like, I- I'm going to be honest with you guys. And I've told Matthew in the past, I'll, you know, I do this because I, I really want someone else. I don't know. Like, I want to be the voice for, for the, per- for the, I don't know. I, I don't want to use the word victim. That's not the right word. Survivor. Survivor. No, not even survivor. That sounds, I don't know. Like, I just don't like the term, but I want to be the one, I want to be the voice of the empathetic partner, the one who came in vulnerable. You're not alone. You know what I mean? And like, I don't want them. I don't want the person on the other end who's practicing empathy and vulnerability to think that it's better to throw their hands up and say, no. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want them to stop being who they are. So don't let, don't let the cycle of, don't let his anger steal things from you Yeah, or don't let their anger steal things from you. But yeah, so I don't know. I just get uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Uh, Like, I I I get it. I just don't feel like I'm ever saying the right things. And like, part of me is like, should I be like, leave them, run, leave. (laughs) I think you have to know when to to cut the cord. I think you have to know when it is appropriate to be like, okay, I've given. Right. I've done everything I can. Nothing is changing or or it's changing very little or it's not doing. It's not. I am uncomfortable. I think we have to be able to step away from something when we finally reached our limit of being uncomfortable. I think, and that's what I want. I think I want people in the relationship who are vulnerable and empathetic to be able to stand up and say, this isn't working because I will tell you that there has been a, you know, ever since things changed from one, there's no longer, you know, it went from malicious to no longer malicious to nice to, you know, and then now we're where we're at now, which is like, Wow. But it's not perfect. We've still got a lot of, I mean, of work what's to do. Per- but but that's, we're broken people. How can we have anything perfect? You are just enjoying the fact that we can now connect on a deeper level than we've ever been able to because you have finally – or not you. I, I guess, have finally torn down the wall enough that you can get through. But this is what I'm going to say is that, like, as much as this next level of things is great and wonderful, and it is – I didn't know this existed. Like I didn't either. If our I'm totally relationship honest. was it had it was initially like you know we were initially great, mm-hmm. and then it changed, and then a little rocky for a while, and then it got better. Like we started communicating. You know what I mean? Like you went through the program. That, you know you weren't malicious anymore. There was no bad intent. But, it was just. But, stupid and didn't understand. Right, right. The, but yeah. it was like well, I mean, and then there was your. Your ego phase. Yeah. <laughs> I can't control how my anger, you know, how my emotions make you feel. <laughs> the obnoxious stage. The obnoxious like phase. Yes. That's what you called it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we made it through that. And I, I think that that's the thing is that like, there's a point where like, you can totally, we could have coasted along at that last part. We could have. Yeah. Because you know it, I mean? was, it was comfortable. It was comfortable. Neither, you know what I mean? Like we were both good. Neither one of us was, you know what I mean? Like I was. You're very easy. I'm an easygoing person. It takes a lot for me to like, no. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's not like I'm not. But now that I know this level exists, I'm holding you to the standard. And and that's the thing. And I think that's one thing that I I think we should leave it with is as the, as the empathetic 
partner, we'll call it. I like that. The one coming into the relationship empathetic. I think once you see the other person making that change and it's, it's becoming a constant, not a, a every once in a while or every 15th fight or every, right. It's becoming a, a standard, almost a common thing. It becomes your job to hold them, me accountable. You have to go, okay, we're not going back. Yeah. You're putting up the wall again. I'm not doing this. Yeah. We are not going back to that person, that relationship, that, that, Nothing. We're not going back to that. We're going to stay here or get better. Right. And you have to put that boundary in place. That that stipulation has to be there. Because if it's not, it's so easy for us to go back. So easy to go back. Well, and I think that's the only part that I struggle with, right? As the empathetic partner, right? As we'll call it, is that I don't want anyone to feel accountable for someone else's emotional health. But what I will say is that watching you go through what you've been through and supporting you through it and being able to truly love you through it. You know what I mean? Like, I love you. Mm -hmm. I I know. I know that now for a fact. Like, I don't even question it at all anymore. I used to, kind of. Right. Well, I, Un- I think, unconsciously. Right. I always, well, I think that that's an insecurity. That it you, is. You know totally. what I mean? That most people, you know, but now that I can see who you can be, I think that's the thing is that I want to, I want to hold you accountable because I want you to be the best version of yourself for you. I know that when in the past you would get angry at yourself, you would brood for days and you would feel guilty and you would, you know what I mean? And like, that's the thing. Like whenever we would, When you got past that point of where you were no longer an outright a-hole, right? Where you were just kind of a clueless oaf running about, just no longer hurting, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Whenever you would make these bad choices, like, you would beat yourself up. And, like, you would shut yourself off even more then, you know? Because once you have those outbursts, you're embarrassed, you're ashamed then, right? Because the shame's with you. And um, you would close yourself off. And, like, and that's the thing is that if I hold you accountable now – if I stop it in its tracks, you know, hey, I'm not even going to let you get that wound up. It stops. That's, oh my God, you said something and it made me, I just realized how, I just realized the first step in this journey for both of us, for both partners. Mm-hmm. As the controlling partner, the angry partner, the less emotionally healthy partner, mm-hmm. you have to Take your own shame. You used to carry my shame for me. Correct. I never realized that till this moment when you said that. It wasn't till I took my shame back from you that the real change started. That's the key. I had. There you go, guys. That's the t- that's the key for this entire episode. As the controlling, angry, violent, emotionally unhealthy, I guess as we'll call it for this show now. Because this is a different show. So as the emotionally unhealthy partner, you have to figure out how to carry your own shame and deal with it and not run from it or give it to your other, to your partner. It's not theirs. It's not their responsibility to carry it for you or to hold it. All that's doing is driving a wedge and making shit worse because you're expect. Holy shit. That's crazy. 
Mm-hmm. But but I'm going to take it a step yeah, further. Yeah, totally. It's not just shame. It's everything. Yeah, no. You also put your expectations for happy on me. You put your expectations for everything. Yes. And I I think that's part of humanizing someone. I think all of this goes back to, like, you can't put your shit on other people. Yeah. Like, we say that a lot, right? Like, in society, like, these are all common. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that's that's the thing. I don't teach anything that's out of the ordinary. Right. Like, every, and, like, that's the thing. Is that, like, you can't do good for others unless you do good for yourself. Right? It's true, though, guys. Like. It is. It's and- 100%. Guys, I hope this was less of us rambling and more of you guys got something out of this. If not stick around for more episodes, I promise you guys, this is going to be really cool. And I can't wait to get into deeper, more meaningful conversations with Chrissy and with other people on this topic and with me guys. So stick around. Thanks so much for listening. I hope this was, was worth your time. Thank you. Did you know Amazon provides ways of working that fit your lifestyle? They know you value your time outside of work, juggling family, school, friends, or other activities. That's why they offer a variety of shifts that work for you. There are full-time, part-time, and even temporary opportunities that can work with your schedule with great starting pay and sign-on bonuses. If you want a career that fits and adapts to your lifestyle, head to Amazon.com apply. Amazon is a proud equal opportunity employer. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just 2 bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required.